Let's begin by turning to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 46 and 47. This morning, I'm, I'm beginning a series, and I'm titling it, God's Word is Your Life. God's Word is Your Life. Now, I'm going to read, uh, I, I, let's call this my amplified version of Deuteronomy 32, verse 46 and 47. Amen? Set your hearts and your minds to all the words of God. Lock them in. Set your mind to the words of God that you're going to hear today and for the next several weeks. And lock those words of God into your heart. Share and command them to your children and to others with the intent that they may also observe and do the word of God. It is not a vain thing. It is not a waste of your time. You know, many times people will say they can't find time. They're too busy. Well, the word of God, your investment in the word of God is the greatest investment that you could ever make. It's not a vain thing and it's not a waste of your time. But rather... It is the best and the greatest investment that you can make into your future, into your future success and prosperity in every area of your life. The word pertains to every area of your life. It is health to all of your flesh. It is wholeness. It is prosperity to every dimension of your life. It is your very life. And by this commitment to the Word of God with the, with the right corresponding actions, you shall live long and you shall live strong in the place of the blessing of the Lord, the place that the Lord has promised to you, you and your children. You will fulfill God's purpose and you will possess all of your inheritance in this time. Now that's an amplified perspective on Deuteronomy 40, 32 verse 46 and 47. You're going to have days of heaven and earth. It says in Deuteronomy 11 verse 21. Your days shall multiply, which means they're going to be lengthened. It also means you're going to live long in the earth. And not only you, but the days of your children will also multiply because you're teaching this to your children. And it will be as the days of heaven and earth. So the whole objective of this series, God's word is your life, is, 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 is to ignite a hunger, a hunger for God's word. And I even pray, I, I remember the hunger that I had when I, when I, in the early days of my Christian walk, and I, I still have the hunger, but even now I believe God for a double portion of that hunger for my own self. And so that God would ignite such a hunger in your heart for his word. And coming out of these messages that you will be motivated. There's going to be a motivation that will grip you to dig into the words of God more than you ever have before. That you literally become addicted to the words of God. And that you'd be a doer of the word. 
You will be a thinker of the word. You will think the word. You will be a believer of the word. You will believe according to the word. And you will be a speaker of the word. You will speak and declare the word of the Lord. And you're going to do so continually. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about a diligence in the word of God that is to come out of all of this. Amen? Hallelujah. So I want you to just pay very play close attention, not only today, but in the messages to come over the next couple of weeks, and be diligent, be disciplined to do what you hear. What the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you. And I believe that God says that his word always, never returns void, but it always prosper in the thing we're on to in a sense. Upon the authority of the word of God and the character of God, I believe that your life will be transformed and you are going to move from victory to victory, from glory to glory, from breakthrough to breakthrough in every area of your life as you get a hold of this word and you walk in it and you apply it and you become diligent concerning it. Amen? All right, so let's get into this. Hallelujah. I do believe, I declare you have ears to hear. <laughs> I declare that your eyes are open, and I declare that you've got a will to do the word of God. All right, let's, let's, so let's begin um, uh, uh, the first leg of this series, which I'm calling Obtaining Your Inheritance by God's Word. Obtaining, God has an awesome inheritance for you. And, you, and it includes every area of your life, healing, health, wholeness, prosperity, your family, your relationships, your future. And there is an inheritance that is yours, and, and you can have it. You can have it fully manifested. You can have it fully manifested. And let me just take a little side trip here. Yes, you know, there is a verse of Scripture in... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in and around the communion, where it says that when you, where, 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 where the Spirit of the Lord says that we do show the Lord's death till he comes. We do make a proclamation when we have communion. We are making a declaration and we are showing the Lord's death when we come, until he comes as we partake of what he did in his body and in his shed blood. That word show is literally, consider this. Consider that you, consider you, you, you have, um, there was some particular item that you had. It's worth, I mean, it was just worth thousands of dollars. And um, the pawn shop took it. And you owed, and, and, and you, and you, owe, you owed the pawn shop $2,000. And so they took your precious jewelry. But then what happened is, your big brother came and he paid for it. He paid off that $2,000 that was owned to the pawn shop. So, they, so it is as if you were being held captive somehow, and this, this jewelry was held captive, but once it was paid for, you have every right to it now. But when you go to the pawn shop, the pawn shop don't want to give it to you, or they want to give you a, a, some other cheap piece of jewelry. What are you going to do? You are going to insist that because the ransom has been fully paid, I'm going to get my jewelry, the $2,000 jewelry. I'm going to get all of it. In other words, then you will insist on the full manifestation of what is paid for. Well, all of the inheritance that is yours in Christ has been paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
by his sacrifice. All of the inheritance that is yours has already been paid for. However, you have got to show. That word show has mean you've got to demand. You have got to You've got to put such a press and such a demand for the full manifestation of what is yours. I am saying to you that you need to capture this, that there is stuff that belongs to you. It is your inheritance, but it doesn't just come automatically. You have got to demand the fullness of the manifestation because it has been fully paid for. Hallelujah. Amen? So I pray that that spirit would get on the inside of you. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent taking it by force. It says that we've got we've to press into the kingdom of God. You have got to fight the good fight of faith. There is a tenacity. There is a determination. There is a mindset. There is a boldness. There is an authority that you've got to function in in order to possess your inheritance. Whether it be in the healing realm, whether it be in the financial realm, whether it be in your family, no matter what area, whether it be just, just the, the, the gifts of the Spirit or whatever they might be, you have got to make a press. Say, I'm making a press. So here, in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among the saints. It says, here is the situation. Here is Paul, and, 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 and these were believers that he was, you know, had worked with for a couple of years, and, and he's going to go away, and he's probably not going to see them again. So he says, look, I'm going to commit you to the word of God, the word of God's grace. And that word is able to build you up, and it is also able to give you your inheritance. It is like this. Imagine this child born into a royal family. This child is an heir to the, is an heir to the throne. This child is a king, but is still a baby. But all of the inheritance, all of the, 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 the kingdom, all of the, the royal treasures, all of the, the power and the authority that belongs to the throne and to that, to that dynasty, to that kingdom, that child is an heir to it all. But while that child is still a child, while that child is still not, can't even tie his shoelace properly, while that child is still in the process and is not quite yet mature to step into various responsibilities, that child may have, may have to have babysitters, may, may have to have cooks and butlers and, and a lot of people to help them along. But then there come a time when that child is mature. Well, so it is. Here is, so in other words, Paul is saying, look here, I am going to come, I'm going to put you in the hands of the babysitter and will take care of you. And as you mature, then all that is yours, you will come into manifest, will come into manifestation. So Paul was saying, dear, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to commit you to the word of his grace. The word of his grace, that word will babysit you. That word will tutor you. That word will work with you. And as, you, and as that word works with you, you, it will mature you. It will build you up. You will grow up into Christ. You will grow up into this oneness. You will grow up into your authority. You will you know, grow up into what your rights and privileges are. And as you grow up into it, what will happen? That very word to which I, I, I commit you to, that word will cause you to to come into possession of the inheritance that is already yours. Amen? So that you can have that full manifestation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
So he says, I will commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you, deliver your inheritance into your hands among them that are sanctified. Those that are sanctified. Those that are separated unto God. Now you need to know you're sanctified. The word of God says in, in um, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, that by one sacrifice, he has, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In your born-again spirit, man, you are as Jesus is, so are you in this world. In your born-again spirit, which is created in righteousness and true holiness, it is perfect, and it has the very nature of God. Your spirit belongs to God, totally separated unto God. Hallelujah. But now, you see this inheritance that is yours, like as I said, you possess this inheritance as you mature. It's all yours, but you possess it as you mature. What does that maturity look like? That maturity looks like righteousness. It looks like functioning in oneness with God. It looks like you living as if you were Christ. It looks like you knowing what your rights and privileges are. It looks like not being underneath condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity. That's righteousness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. It looks like a freedom from shame and guilt and sin consciousness. But now the reason I say that is to say this. You get, you possess that inheritance as you mature, as you grow up in righteousness. In other words then, and you see in your spirit, you're perfectly righteous. But in your flesh, if you allow the flesh to get into the way, the flesh has limitations. Your spirit has no limitation. But your flesh has limitations that come from your humanity, that comes from, the, from for, that I'm black or I'm white or I'm tall or I'm short and I don't have this education. It comes from, from your cultural background. I'm in a different culture. I don't understand these people. They don't understand me. It comes from, from your history, what happened in the past. It comes from all of these horizontal planes, so to speak. And so there are these limitations that come from, from that flesh arena, from that humanity. It is in that arena that you get the guilt and the shame and the insecurity. But praise God, if you and I will function out of our spirit, then those limitations are removed. Because in your spirit, there are no limitations. Let's consider the sin, the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation. Colossians 1, 21, 22 says, And you that were sometimes alienated, separated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, now... He has reconciled you. Now you are reconciled. In your spirit, you are reconciled. Now you see, here is the thing. This possessing of your inheritance is going to come right down to the application of the word of God and, it, and, and, and it's going to come right down to you functioning out of your spirit. Say, out of my spirit. That is critical. Out of my spirit. Say it again. You see, that is where your faith operates from. And it is by faith that you're going to possess your inheritance. It's out of your spirit, not out of your mind. We're going to get there a little bit longer, a, a little bit sooner, a little, in a little while. <laughs> and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. In the sight of God, in Christ, you are holy. 
as God is holy. You are unblameable. You are above reproach. You are unreprovable in his sight. People might not see you that way, but you need to see yourself that way because that's how God sees you. Are you with me? So you see, you see this reconciliation is being restored into right fellowship with God. It's being restored to the favor of God. You see, in your spirit, God sees you just as he does Jesus. Christ himself is your life. And it's therefore, for you to receive from God, for you to get a hold of that inheritance, you got to come through Jesus. You got to come in righteousness. You cannot come to the throne and there you are begging, oh God, I'm dealing with this situation. Oh Lord, I don't know if you, if you just have a little bit of time to, to listen to me. Lord, yeah, man, yeah. That don't work. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There is a boldness with which you can come, but that boldness is not based on your flesh. It's not based on the guilt and the shame. Yes, things happen in life. Yes, you mess up here and you mess up there, and it plays with your conscience. So what do you do? You've got to get rid of that sense of unrighteousness. The, the scripture says, 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you messed up somewhere, confess it, get rid of it, so that that unrighteousness, consciousness can leave you and you could come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, the inheritance is not for the unrighteous. The inheritance is not for the fool, the one that says no to God, but the inheritance is for the righteous. That is very critical as we continue in this process. Amen? Hallelujah. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 90 to 20, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. And he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation, so that now we are, you are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was beseeching others through you, be reconciled to God. Come back into favor. Come back into fellowship. The price has been paid by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Because God had made Jesus to be sin for us, that you might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ, so that you could come into oneness with God, so that you could be accepted, so that you could be free from guilt and shame and insecurity and condemnation, and so that you could know what, what are the rights and privileges you have as a child of God. And you can walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the authority of ascension, operating and declaring and speaking as a king where the enemy is concerned. Speaking with authority, speaking with boldness. Glory to God. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Hallelujah. You're redeemed from every, from every human identification. It says we've been redeemed, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but, but by his own blood. He had redeemed us to God by his own blood out of every kindred. That's every tribe out of every culture, out of every tongue, whatever culture it might be, out of every people group, out of every nation, out of every ethnicity. You've been redeemed out of all of that, and here you are in the throne of God, and your identity is you are a king, and you are a priest before God. You are a king that you can execute authority. You are a priest that you can approach God and worship and magnify him and present the blood of the Lord Jesus even on behalf of others and remit the sins of others and, and intercede for them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
So in your, in your, so there are limitations in your flesh and in your humanity, but you've been redeemed from them. And when you function out of your spirit, in your spirit, you don't have any of those limitations. The word of God says in John 8 verse 36, whom the son sets free is free indeed. In your spirit, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Say no limitations. In your spirit, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. In your spirit, you are more than a conqueror no matter what you face. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In their spirit, there's neither male nor female, but Christ is all and in all. And that spirit man, the reality of him is what? Because of the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus, there is remission of sins. So that you can enter boldly through the blood of the Lord Jesus, into the holiest of holies, through the veil of his flesh that was torn, having boldness and access and having confidence before the very throne of God, this new and living way that has been consecrated for us by what Jesus did on that cross in shedding his blood and offering up his body so that here you are, because of that blood, you can stand before the throne of God as a king and as a priest and you can have confidence and you can have boldness because you are righteous you are washed, you are cleansed. Hallelujah. It is from this place that you receive, but it is the word of God that gives you the knowledge of that. The reality is this place of righteousness where you are to function from is the same place, where, is the place where Christ himself is your life. Colossians chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 4 says, um, if you've been risen with Christ, set your affections on the things which are above, not on the things which are beneath. Where your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, that's when you'll really begin to function as who you are. Christ himself is your life. As he is, so are you in this world. Hallelujah. So this inheritance is yours. But it takes the word of God to possess it. It takes coming into maturity and functioning in righteousness to get a hold of it. But all of the inheritance is yours. Why? Why is all the inheritance yours? Well, it says in Colossians 1 and verse 12, Thanks be unto God who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints. The inheritance in the saints. Or is it of the saints? There is an in and there is an of. Let me just check that very quickly. Amen? Maybe it's good. Let me draw your attention to it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. So the saints have an inheritance. The saints have an inheritance. But guess what? The inheritance of the saints belongs to you. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Hallelujah. So, all of the inheritance is yours. Why is all the inheritance yours? Romans chapter 8 verse 12 says, so this is yours first of all because the blood of Jesus has qualified you. It is yours because Romans 8 verse 17 says that you are an heir of God and you are a joint heir with Christ. You are heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Well, what is Jesus heir to? 
Romans, Hebrews 1 verse 2 says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he made him an heir of all things. So if Jesus is an heir of all things, and you are a joint heir with him to whatever he's an heir of, then you are also an heir of all things. Heir, inheritance, say inheritance. All of the inheritance is yours, dare to believe it. You believe it. You are a believer. All of the inheritance is yours. The blood has qualified you. It says in John chapter 16, in John, John chapter 16, and um, it says, reading from verse 13, Jesus says, when that the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you. He will show you things to come. He will show you what belongs to you. He will show you your inheritance. Jesus says, he's going to glorify me because he shall receive of mine. And he will show it to you. Well, he's going to receive what belongs to Jesus and he will show it to you. Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what's mine and he'll show it to you. So what is, here it is. All that belong to the Father, Jesus has inherited. All that Jesus inherited belongs to you. So all that the Father has belongs to you. So all things are yours. By inheritance. Say, I believe this. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So why is all this inheritance yours? Hebrews chapter 9, reading from verse 15. It says, for this cause, Jesus, who is the mediator of the new covenant, of this new will that is now in force, that by means of death, by the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, the first will, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Say inheritance. This inheritance is forever. <laughs> It's eternal, it is perfect, and it is forever. For where a testament or a will is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. If there is a will, the will, the person that makes the will, he has to die, and then once he dies, then that will is enforced. So it says for a testament or a will is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no longer it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. The one that made the will. Well, Jesus died. That is why I say to you, the blood is what qualifies you for the inheritance. And the blood also declares that the will and the inheritance is in place. You can, you can cash in on it. Amen? Why is this inheritance yours? Because of this covenant. Because of the reality of this covenant. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And then it, it, it also says in verse 15, all things that are fought, it also says, this testament is the force after that men are dead. Otherwise, it have no more of strength. And it actually goes on to say in another place that the Holy Spirit, he is the witness. He is the very witness of this, of this covenant. In Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14, it says, in whom you also trusted, Remember when you trusted in Jesus? After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, 
which is the earnestness, which is the deposit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance. The mere fact that you've got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he himself is the guarantee of this inheritance. And he is the down payment of this inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. What is that saying? It is saying that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of this inheritance and he, he authenticates it. Amen? He makes it authentic. Say, I got it. You see, I'm trying to simply say, you've got this inheritance. It is yours. You've got it. Say, I got it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> I like this verse, Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You've got the Holy Ghost. And he is he's like the stamp that says, yes, you are God's son. Yes, you are. And because you're his son, here, God sent the spirit of his son, crying out, Abba, Father. Say, I got it. Right? All of the inheritance is yours. Now, why is this inheritance yours? Why is it all yours? Here is why. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again. He got us born again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ unto an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that is reserved in heaven in that realm for you. In other words, then, this inheritance is yours and it comes to you by the new birth. It comes directly to you by the new birth. Amen? So the new birth, again, because of the blood, you got a new birth. Because of the new birth, you're qualified. By the blood, you're qualified. Say, I'm qualified. <laughs> I've got it. This stuff is legal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got, you've got it. Say, I got it. Now, here is a verse that says you got it. You see, you got it, but you got to get it. <laughs> Does that make sense? You got it, but you got to get it. You got it, but you got to get it. And the getting of it is the showing. I insist on the manifestation of what has been paid for. And I'm going to drive it into, into an experiential reality. Amen? Got it? All right. <laughs> Say, I got it. <laughs> in Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In whom also we have obtained, we have obtained, we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. This is within the very plan and purpose of God from before the foundation of the world that all of this inheritance might be yours. It is yours. You've already got it, but now you need to possess it. Amen. There's a verse of scripture in uh, Obadiah 1 verse 17 that speaks about possessing your possessions. Amen. Say, I'm going to possess my possessions. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give you what? All things. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, God has given. God has given 
God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I don't know if you're hearing the all in this. I don't know if you're hearing that it's given. I don't know if you're hearing that you already have it, but you need to get it. And we'll get to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And in fact, it is important, you see, because you see, one of the areas where believers stumble quite often is, the, this, the, is in their feelings. I don't feel like I got it. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. Right? And, and this is not my experience. You know, I feel so separated. I feel so condemned. And, and, the, and all these feelings which go up and down separates them from the truth. But you see, you've got to recognize that my faith has nothing to do with my feelings. It has nothing to do with my feelings. And, and, and here is where I find a couple of scriptures are helpful. Philemon 6. That their faith will work. It will become effective when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. When you acknowledge that God is on the inside. When you acknowledge the same spirit and raised of Christ and the dead dwells in you. When you acknowledge that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. When you acknowledge that as Jesus is, so am I in this world. When you acknowledge the truth. When you acknowledge that by his stripes I were healed. When you acknowledge what is already, in other words, the scripture says that you might acknowledge everything that is in you in Christ. Let's put it another way. When you acknowledge what is finished. When you acknowledge what is finished, what is done, what is already settled in heaven. If God said it, it is done. The works of God will finish from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Now this word acknowledge, Titus 1 verse 1 says that the acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. Which means when you acknowledge the truth, what is settled in heaven, the word of God, what Jesus has finished, when you acknowledge it, it produces godliness, the God kind of life, the life God has for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Slightly off track, but let me put it in anyway. Pops up. You know the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And then it says there are these pathways that you are to walk in, that he has ordained for you to walk in from before the foundation of the world. How do you find those pathways? How do you walk in those pathways? Can I give you just a, uh, just a little tiny answer if, if we can just receive it, pick it up later, but capture it anyway? Here is the answer. You walk in the pathways that he has prepared for you from the foundation of the world by doing two things. Number one, by acknowledging and applying the inheritance that is yours. Now, I know there's various aspects, but recognizing the, uh, the, 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 uh, the inheritance and declaring it and speaking it, it causes light to shine upon your pathways. And then number two, by simply functioning in who you really are, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, when you recognize this is who I am, it is the life of Christ. I'm crucified. It's not me here, but it's Christ in me. And you endeavor to walk in that, and you endeavor to walk in the inheritance by declaring the inheritance as it's applicable, you will just find yourself planted in the pathway that he has ordained for you. You will find yourself planted in his footsteps. The scripture says in Psalms 85 verse 11. That his righteousness goes before you. And it will plant you in his footsteps. 
That's how you do it. Inheritance and the nature of Christ. All right. We'll come back to that another time. But, but take it anyway. Hallelujah. This, and I got off there because I was trying to emphasize, okay, feelings, it's nice to feel good and feel, it's nice to have all these feelings in a positive sense. But what if they're not there? There is one thing that is constant, what is finished. Acknowledge what is finished. Acknowledge who you are in Christ. And as you do, that in itself, that is what, um, that's what, it, that, that's what it's, it's all about. You got to recognize, I've got this, this inheritance is mine. Now, where is the inheritance? Don't you, don't you like to know where it is? <laughs> well, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, reading from verse 17, Paul was praying for the church, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, so that you might know what is the, so that you might, the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, and that you will be filled with the knowledge of him. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, and that you might know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So the inheritance is in the saints. There is something that, and, and the inheritance, in other words, I might be going into a situation and I don't know nothing about it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to go in this particular work environment. In fact, I'm going to go into the, to the business of, of, of um, manufacturing these artificial trees and, and shipping them out. But I don't know nothing about how to, how to manufacture it, and I don't know nothing about shipping. But then you do. Somebody else does. Another believer does. And so I could get together with them, tap into their knowledge of how to manufacture those trees, and another person who knows how to distribute it, and we can put it all together, and their knowledge belongs to me. That what's in them is my inheritance. So that when I face situations, it's not only about what I know, but it is who do I know and what do they know. And then the next thing you know, I go beyond my own limitations and my own knowledge. Are you with me? And multiplication can take place. So it's not only what I know, but it's, it's not only what I know and what I have, but what do they know? What do you know? What do you have? So the inheritance is in the saints. That's one thing. And not only that, in another place it says there is the inheritance of the saints, the inheritance that belong to them. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 says, all things are yours. And then it lists names, Apollos. If, if Paul has a revelation, if some minister has a revelation, I've got a right to that revelation. It belongs to me. What you've got belongs to me, <laughs> all right? And what I have belongs to you. Man, does I ever make a switch. Oh, it speaks, about the, uh, it speaks in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, about the immeasurable, immeasurable, unsurpassing riches of the glory that is in Christ. Say, I'm rich. I'm rich, rich, rich. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though you was rich for your sakes, he became poor. Why? That you through his poverty might be made rich. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So where is inheritance? It's in the saints. Where else is it? It's right here in the earth. It says in Psalms 24 verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all them that is therein. That means the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it and even the people that are in it. But then, remember, all that belong to God belong to you. Remember how in, how in Genesis 14, verse 19, Melchizedek said to Abraham, um, um, Abraham, 
of the most high God, possessor of the heaven and the earth. And it called Abraham possessor of the heaven and the earth. Romans 4 verse 13 says, you are also the possessor of the heaven and the earth. Because you are a joint heir with Christ. And, you, and if you be Christ's seed, you, you are Abraham's seed. What am I saying? All things are yours. And the inheritance is in people. It is in the saints. It's in the earth. And even the heathen. God says he's giving you the heathen for your inheritance. Amen? Say all things are mine. So, now what does the inheritance include? What does it include? Well, I'm going to start off by saying everything. <laughs> everything that is good. Amen? Everything that is good. I was, um, hallelujah. Everything that is good. It says in, um, blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, we get back to that. Okay, so what does, what, does, what, does, what does all this inheritance include? What does it all include? Well, 2 Peter 1 verse 13 says he's given to you all things, but that pertain unto life and godliness. I was referring to Romans chapter 4, verse 13, where it says the promise that Abraham should be an heir of the world was not only to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, the promise of being an heir to the world is yours. All right? Glory to God. So all things are yours. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. God himself is your inheritance. The heathen, it says in, in Psalms 2 verse 7, that the heathen, what, what does it say? Um, and, and that he gives you the heathen as your inheritance. Psalms 2 verse 7. Your family, your family is your inheritance. You see, the word of God and promises is not just to you, but it is to you and to your seed. When God makes a covenant with you, he says, and to your house. And it's not talking about the house you're living in. It's talking about your family. As far as your faith can go, if you could stretch it as far as, as Rahab, man, it includes even distant relatives. But they belong to you. They're part of your inheritance. And that's why you need to know that and with boldness claim them. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your whole house. The story is told in Luke chapter 13. I don't have time to turn to it. But um, where, there was this, um, uh, where was this woman that was bowed over for 18 years? And Jesus was going to heal her on the Sabbath. And the, the folks were, the religious folks were all upset. And Jesus said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, ought she not to be loosened from this in her infirmity? Because she's got a covenant. In other words, healing, she had a right to it. There was a woman, um, the Syrophoenician woman, in um, Matthew chapter, chapter 15. When Jesus, when she came to Jesus, she was, she was a Gentile. She didn't have a covenant, but she believed that God was good. And she came to see to Jesus because her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And she asked Jesus for deliverance for her daughter. Jesus, and Jesus said to her, healing is the children's bread. And I can't take the bread, of, the bread and give it to dogs. You know the rest of the story? She said, look, even the crumbs that fall from the master's table, right? Even that is enough. To get my daughter healed. And Jesus says, wow, what great faith. But in that whole communication, Jesus made this statement. He said, healing is the children's bread. 
In other words, then, you've got a right to healing. It's part of your inheritance. Healing is not an if it be thy will proposition. Healing is a done deal. By his stripes you were healed. He himself bore your sicknesses and carried your infirmities. Now, we're not dealing with this today, but one of the future messages that are coming up in this particular context of the word of God being your life is the fact that uh, is, a, is a message that has to do with the word of God being an all-purpose. All-purpose, covering all kinds of areas, healing this area, that area, and then that's how it applies to each and every one of those areas. Hallelujah. Deliverance, prosperity. The, the scripture says, now here's an interesting thing. Do you know it says in Proverbs, um, in, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse, and verse, and verse 23, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 23, where it says, A good man leaves an inheritance, leaves an inheritance for his children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children and for his children's children. Do you believe God is good? Do you think he's left an inheritance? Well, where is it? <laughs> it's in the saints. It's in the world. The silver and gold belongs to him. But here's another place where it is. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. In other words, then, the wealth, some of that inheritance, it's in the hands of the wicked, and God wants it to be transferred to you. That's why Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, God gives to a man that is good in his sight wisdom, knowledge, and joy, but to the sinner, he gives travail to gather, to heap up, to heap up all the wealth. Why? That he might give it to the one who is good before God. Amen? In other words, then, God has given to the sinner and the wicked to gather up substance, and then you are to believe him and press into it and see that supernatural transfer take place in, into your life. Amen? So we are not envious of the sinner, but we recognize that they got our stuff. It belongs to us. Just like the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. Why? Because they had all that back pay, all that retroactive pay for all the years when they were in slavery and not being paid fairly. Hallelujah. Gee, God says the silver and gold is mine, and it's there for his children. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all the scriptures, Job 27, 16, and 17. That though he will heap up silver and as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he will prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the spoil. Amen. Now, that is how it is. That's just in the financial area. That prosperity, then, that the increase that is ours. But we've got a responsibility. The, our responsibility, Psalms 35, says that you are to, if you favor God's righteous cause, when you give, when you tithe, you show that you favor God's cause. And it says when you do that and you shout for joy and you say, let the Lord be magnified, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, which means you got to magnify God. What does that mean? You got to make God bigger than the circumstance, bigger than the need, bigger than the problem that is screaming at you. And, when you, and that's the way we function in God's system. We magnify him. We declare he's our source. We declare he supplies our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We declare that he has given us the power to get wealth. Why? So that his covenant can be established in the earth and we can give and abound to every good cause. Are you with me? Amen. In other words, yes, the inheritance is ours, but there's still a responsibility that we have. Glory to God.
Now, let me just make a little shift here. It is all yours. But what? How do you get a hold of it? You get a hold of it by faith. Say faith. Glory to God. All right. Let me, let me show you this verse of scripture here. Let me turn to it. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. Praise the Lord. Acts 26 and verse 18. Paul talking. Hallelujah. Paul said that when God called him, um, let me pick it up in verse 17, and told him, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I will now send you. And I'm sending you to them, God says, to do what? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. I'm going to cause you to, by, this, by my spirit and by the ministry of the word, to cause their eyes to be opened so that they will come out from darkness to light, so that they will come out from the power of Satan to the power of God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. That they might receive the inheritance, how? By faith. Say by faith. Say by faith. Say by faith. Now, I want you to capture something about faith that is very, very critical. Amen? By faith. This issue of faith is one of it is obtained by faith. You, the inheritance is theirs, it's yours, it's abundant, it includes everything, but you get it how? By faith. Now, faith sees. Now, hear me now. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, that we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We look not. We are looking at what? We are looking, but we are seeing. What are we looking at? We're not looking at what it looks like in the natural. We are looking at what is settled in heaven. We are looking at what the word of God says. It says in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse, chapter 2 verse 1 that I'm going to sit upon my watch until I can see what the Lord says. You see, when you can see what the word of God says, and you can see it. You meditate in that word, and you begin to see it. When you see it, you believe it. Somebody met me in a wheelchair for however long, but they, they aren't able to. One of the reasons that keeps them bound to that wheelchair is because they're not able to see themselves healed. They're not able to see that by a stripes they were healed and that they are healed. They only see their circumstances. You see, God said, God said a couple of things. God said to Joshua, Joshua, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, I've given it unto you. In other words, I've given it to you all. However, your feet has to tread upon it. You got to see it under the soles of your feet. You got to see that you have that authority. When you see that you have that authority, then that which is given to you will be made manifest. Amen? When he was walking along the, when he were walking along the wall of Jericho, God said to Joshua, See, I've put Jericho into your hands. God said the same thing to, to, to Abraham. Walk through the land and see. And, 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 and then he says, See, everywhere, as far as you can see, it's yours. This issue of seeing, but seeing in the spirit. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 1. Let me just read a few verses here. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 
sorry. Reading from verse 10, it says, See, speaking to Jeremiah, I have, I have this day set you above the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. You've got to see that authority. You've got to see what the Lord says. And then he says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? And then he answered the Lord. And the Lord said, you have well seen. I will hasten my word to perform it. So it's not until we can see what he says that God is released to bring fulfillment to that word. He, he brings fulfillment to what we see. In other words, which is our faith. Faith sees. Faith sees. Faith sees. But now, where does faith come from? Sees what? It sees what the word says. Therefore, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It is written, how beautiful on the feet are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of everything is reconciled. And bring the good tidings of good things. They have not all obeyed the gospel, for Elijah said, who had believed our report? So then, faith cometh. How? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything I said is to bring us to this point. You've got an awesome inheritance. You've got an abundant inheritance. It all belongs to you by the blood of the Lord Jesus. It came to you because of the new birth. But you can only have it and possess it by faith. And faith is a fight. It is a fight to see what God has said, and then it is a fight to continue to see what God has said when it hasn't yet manifested. In other words, faith sees what God has said, and patience, which is faith continued, keeps on seeing what God has said, keeps on seeing what is said, and then through faith and patience, you obtain the promise. That's the reality of it. So, the word is the key. The word is the key for you to develop your faith, for you to see. But it doesn't just happen. It happens because you labor in the word. The woman with the issue of blood said, kept on saying, kept on saying, if I could touch the hem of his garment, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And that thing built up on the inside of her. Amen? You see, faith, word, you see, the word of God has to be mixed with faith, it says in Hebrews 4 verse 2. The word has to be mixed with faith for it to profit you. And the mixer is your tongue. You've got to declare that inheritance. You've got to declare that healing. You've got to speak what the word of God says. And that speaking, that meditating. Joshua, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night, and you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. The mixer is your tongue. You've got to get a hold of whatever the Word of God says, whatever it says about that aspect of the inheritance, and keep speaking it, meditate on it, think about it, study it, take time, listen to that tape, listen to it again, make notes, read your notes. There is a diligence in the Word that would make your calling and your election sure. 
No, the issue is many times people just are not diligent in the Word. That is why my prayer for you is that God will ignite such a hunger, such a fire, and that Word would shoot up in your bones like a flame, and you will have such motivation and have such discipline, and you're going to take such action, and you're going to meditate in that Word, attend on to that Word, be busy with that Word, incline your ear to that Word, keep it coming in your ears, keep it coming into your eyes, and stay with it and stay with it. And in the name of Jesus, what will happen is that word will eventually burst forth on the inside of you. And then you begin to see what he says. And when that happens, faith is arrived. And when faith is arrived, there is nothing that can stop you. Because faith is the shield that will quench every fiery dart to the devil. Faith is the hand that reaches into the realm of the spirit where it's done and finished. And bring your inheritance into manifestation. Are you with me? But that cometh by the word of God. And God is in his word. God and his word are one. But there is a diligence. There is a labor. Jesus says, don't labor. Don't labor for the, for, the, for the meat that perishes. But labor for that which is real life. Labor in the word of God. Labor in the word of God. Labor in that word. Entering into that rest. That word is powerful. It's sharper. It is God himself. And it can penetrate to the dividing of soul, spirit, joints, marrow. Everything is defenseless before it. The word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper. It is quick. And that word can bring you into your inheritance. It is able to build you up and to deliver your inheritance to you that is in the saints. And it's been their side for you. Amen. You believe that? Glory to God. You believe that? Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray right now, and you can stand. I pray right now for every single one in Jesus' name. Oh, Father God, for that word of grace, that word of, of that unmerited, undeserved favor, that word of the riches, your riches, that has been paid for by Christ at his expense. But by that word of grace, you will build us up. And the inheritance that has been paid for by the blood, that is reserved in heaven, incorruptible, undefiled, that is ours in the spirit, that you have ordained to come into manifestation into our lives according to your purpose and your good pleasure. So that that, uh, that inheritance will come and cause your purposes to be fulfilled. So that there will be no lack of supply and provision for the vision and for the purposes of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. And in authority of the name of the Lord Jesus right now, I speak to every sick body. Every body that is, every physical body that is having any kind of ailment. And I will Rebuke that ailment in Jesus' name. I command that pain to go out of that person's body. I command that spirit of infirmity that has been having this, this continual pattern of sickness and disease and one ailment after another. I rebuke that spirit of infirmity and I command it to come out of you in Jesus' name, to go from you. And I declare that the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you right now and quickens your mortal body. It drives out that arthritis. 
It destroys the root of that cancer. In Jesus' name, cancer, I command you, die and disintegrate and come out of that person's body in Jesus' name. I speak to that chest pain, and I command you, go in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your divine healing power and grace that flows like a river. I thank you, Lord God, that out of our belly flows rivers of living water. By the spirit of the living God, and everywhere where that river goes, where there was death, there is life, there is restoration, there is recovery in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are our healer, and we worship you. You are the Lord, thy God, that healed us. In Jesus' name.